Hi there, I'm Brian Hogan-Stewart, and you're listening to Salt and Spine, Stories Behind Cookbooks, and you're tuning in for a special episode today. We're recording here live in front of an audience at the Civic Kitchen in San Francisco. Hello, everybody. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, We just sat down to a delicious pasta dinner, and you'll understand why we're eating delicious pasta and salad in just a minute when I introduce today's guest. So we're joined today in front of this audience by Allison Arevalo, and Allison is the so-called mac and cheese maven behind Homeroom, um, the Oakland, California restaurant that she co-opened in 2010. Um, It drew high praise from all corners of the country, but the honeymoon for Allison didn't last, and she's no longer uh, with Homeroom. We'll talk about that. After seven years, um, Allison sold off her shares and turned her attention to spending time with family and friends. We have her new cookbook here today called Pasta Friday. Um, that's about when Pasta Friday entered the picture, uh, just to put that into context. And Allison joins us today to talk about this, her second cookbook. Uh, and we'll talk about where her life has taken her from mac and cheese to Pasta Fridays and, of course, about cookbooks in today's show. So let's jump right in. Hi, Allison. Thank you so Hi. much for being here. Thank you. We're thrilled to have you. Um, and we're here to talk about, yes, your second cookbook, Pasta Friday, Let's Eat Together. But I want to start early and talk about your life for a bit before we sort of get back to the sure. book and um, some of those related things. So you were born in New York City, grew up in New York City, is that right? I was born on Long Island. Oh, you're born so on Long Island. So right okay. by um, Kennedy Airport. So right on the border of Queens and Long Island. You write that you were born to a food-loving Italian family. So I, I'm curious if you can talk um, in detail about like what that meant for you growing up. What was food like around your house? What were you eating? What were the customs? Food was everything that we talked about. Okay. <laughs> you know, we'd wake up in the morning and talk about what we're going to eat for dinner. You know, my parents would shop and they'd go to the guy who had the best bread and the guy who had the best raviolis and the guy that had the best fresh mozzarella because that's what it's called in New York. Um, so it was just every, our, our life really did revolve around what we were eating. Uh, my whole family lived on the same block growing up. So I had my grandmother and my aunts and my cousins. So in the morning I'd run across the street to my grandmother's house and she'd make me like scrambled eggs with fried bologna. I don't like that was a thing. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was really such a big part of my life. Um, every Sunday we went to my great grandmother's house and she would prepare the big Italian traditional feast on Sundays. And she did it until she was 92. Wow. And she would stand on a tiny little step stool to fry the meatballs because she couldn't reach the stove anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it was just, it was just what we did. And you were interested in food at a pretty early age. Yeah. You know, I was always interested in cooking with my grandmother. So okay. she taught me very young how to fry the meatballs and, you know, how to simmer the the meats and make the sauce and, and so I was involved in the whole process when I was really young. And like, how old are you at this point? Like, like seven. Seven? You start yeah. cooking in the kitchen? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I remember even like at that age being completely grossed out by my aunt who would eat the raw chopped meat before, <laughs> before <laughs> I would cook it. I don't, I mean, that was the thing too. I mean, no one realized, but, uh, right. Yeah. Um, it started very young, but you, you took a different path sort of at first professionally. Mm-hmm. You weren't, you weren't pursuing food right away. You, um, Remind me, where did you go to college? You went to journalism school, is that right? I did. So I went to Queens College in New York, um, and I went for journalism. 
And while I was in school and even while I was in high school, I always worked in restaurants. And so okay. I was always involved in, in restaurant life. But, um, but I wanted to go, I wanted to go into journalism. I studied that. When I graduated, I ended up going into marketing and PR for a while. Um, and then, yeah, and that's pretty much what I did before I, I opened a restaurant. Yeah. And I mean, you worked for a while and you were an yeah. advertising exec. Like you were sort of, I think, I read working your way up to some degree. Yeah. And I was going to grad school for integrated marketing and I was working for, um, Columbia house. So that company Uh that you would get like 12 DVDs for 49 cents. I'm sure you were all members of that club (laughs) because they have information on like everyone in the country, but, (laughs) um, but it was great. So I was doing marketing there for a while and it was a really fun place to be. And I was going to school and, but my heart was always in food. Um, so my husband and I were living in Brooklyn and working in Manhattan and we both worked at the same place. We, we, that's how we met. We worked together and we just got just tired of, of New York. And, and I always wanted to open a restaurant and it just seemed so hard to do in New York. So we're like, all right, let's just, let's go. So we quit our jobs and we, um, packed the car and moved out to Oakland with always with the intention of opening a place. And this is in, I think 2008. Yeah. Um, you had just gotten married. Yep. You, it seems like, I mean, the way you tell it, it seems like this is really sort of on a whim, like almost <laughs> really quick decision. Like we're leaving our jobs and we're driving cross country. It, it was, it was, it was it like was, that. Yeah. We decided, I think like a month before we got married and we got married in August and then we left in, uh, October at the end of October we left. So How was, did that happen? How did that sort of happen so quickly for you? I mean, you, you say you sort of worked in kitchens a lot and you were always interested in food, but that's like a really sort of dramatic shift just leave your jobs and move cross country so quickly. Um, and it it wasn't great timing either. Like by the time we made the decision that we were going to move to when we actually did was right when everything was going downhill in 2008. Okay. So, you know, the recession was starting. Yeah. We thought we'd find a job really easily when, once we got to California and that didn't happen. But, um, but we were also, we were very young. We didn't have mortgages or we didn't have kids yet. And we figured the worst that could happen is that we'd have to move back. So we figured we'd just go for it and, and figure it out. And we knew that the restaurant wouldn't happen right away. Like we were going to save some money and we'd both get jobs and, you know, and then build towards, you know, figuring out where we wanted to be and, and finding a place, finding a location. And so you, you end up in Oakland yeah. and you start a food blog, I think. Yeah. How does that come about? <laughs> Um, basically cause I was working a job in marketing that I wasn't crazy about. And, um, and I really just wanted this connection to food and I didn't know anyone in the food world when I got here. So I thought having a food blog because I couldn't open a restaurant yet would at least introduce me to all the people in the industry that I wanted to know and people that I wanted to learn from. And it was great. I mean, I'm still friends with a lot of the people that I met from those early days of my, my food blog. A lot of them came to the pasta Friday dinners. Um, and it really was a, a good introduction to this world that I just didn't know anything about coming from the East coast. So you're inching your way into food. You've got this blog. I think you're also sort of freelance writing on the yeah. side, doing some food writing. And then I love this. I love your story because you sort of abruptly leave your job to pursue food, move cross country, sort of start moving slowly in that direction. And then one day you meet this person. It's sort of totally a serendipitous moment. Run into this person that like ultimately ends up with the creation of homeroom. Tell yeah. us how that happened. Yeah. So my husband and I were at a cafe in Oakland and it was raining out that day and the cafe was really crowded. And we ended up sharing a table with this other couple and we just started chatting. Uh, they were talking about where they're going to go on their honeymoon and, and what kind of food they're going to eat there. And, and we were, we were recently in Italy. And so we were like, you know, talking to them about that. And 
we started talking about restaurants and you know, the woman we were sitting was like, well, I've always wanted to open a restaurant and I'm hoping one day to do it. And I was like, well, I always wanted to open a restaurant. And then I would say about two months after that initial conversation, she called me and she's like, let's do it. Let's open a restaurant. So, so we did and <laughs> right. we ended up like just quitting our jobs and putting all the money that we saved into a mac and cheese restaurant. <laughs> Which is crazy in some ways, amazing in some ways. It's totally insane. And it was, again, like, I feel like if I made any of these decisions when I had kids or like, I wouldn't have made those decisions, but again, (laughs) it was like, ah, what's the worst that could happen? Right. (laughs) I love, I love that approach. (laughs) Like we're going to make mac and cheese. What's the worst that could happen? Right. Yeah. Overnight, you're the owner of a mac and cheese restaurant (laughs) and it takes off. I mean, it's, it's very popular, right? You get great press. People are loving it. Yeah. Yeah, but we're going to condense this part of the story because we're not here to talk about the mac and cheese cookbook, (laughs) which is a great cookbook. We're going to condense this because at some point it doesn't feel right to you. Am I characterizing that right to say it that way? I actually, you, you write in, in your new book, Pasta Friday, um, you say that like your work days were spent with administrative things and running a business instead of actually making recipes. And you say, I was miserable, stressed. I turned into an insomniac. My dream was killing me. Talk about (laughs) how you realized you were sort of at that point and what that felt like after this was seven or eight years sort of that you had yeah, been building it was up probably about six years six years yeah and we had uh two locations at homeroom so mm-hmm. there was the the main restaurant and the takeout location and we had 90 employees and it was a great business i mean it still is a great business and i loved i loved everything about the brand and i loved the food and the people that i was working with and um yeah, everything about it seemed perfect. But when you grow a business that large, that has that many employees, you can't just, like, I couldn't just hop in the kitchen and start cooking. And I right. couldn't just, you know, go on the floor and like change things up on, you know, with the seating or, you know, like everything had a system, which is great. That's what you, that's what you want. But it also gets to a point, like sometimes you want to be able to mess with the system a little bit and just get, get in there and still get your hands dirty and still feel like, you know, it's, it's a small business basically. And we, and we didn't have that anymore. And for some people, that's great. Like some people, that's what totally what they strive for when they open a business. They want it to run like a machine. They want to, they want to be able to expand it. They want to have a great package that you could take and open your next location and your next one. And sure. And I thought that's what I wanted. I mean, it seemed like that's, you know, that's the goal, but it just, when it got to the point that my, my days were just all meetings, you know, and talking about, you know, long 10 year strategies and workers comp and all of these things that, you know, come with owning a restaurant or or any business. But when it started consuming my days, I just, I just didn't enjoy it anymore. I didn't, I didn't enjoy that I couldn't be in the kitchen cooking, that I couldn't just come up with new recipes. And, um, and it took a while to figure that out, to figure out exactly what it was that was bothering me about, about this great business that I helped create. Yeah. So it was probably like six years in. And also at that time, there was a lot of crazy things happening in my life personally. I mean, I have a, I had a young son who was really sick and needed a risky surgery. And so I was trying to help him and my sister was diagnosed with cancer and she was in New York. So I was constantly going back and forth to help go to chemo sessions with her. And so all of that combined was just like, I, like, I need to get out. Like I need one thing in my life that I could have control over and that could, you know, be a positive change. And so I decided to, to sell my shares. How hard was that for you? To that be was in that situation. Really hard. It was, you know, it was tough because 
anyone from the outside is like, oh, you have this dream job. Like who wouldn't want to own a mac and cheese restaurant? Yeah. And for, and then I'm like, <laughs> right. And then thinking about it, I'm like, you're right. Like I have this dream job, but why am I miserable then? Like why am I not enjoying this? And, you know, the, to think about giving it up, especially because it's not a job that I can quit. You know, I mean, it was my company. I couldn't just be like, all right, you know, see, I'm putting in my two weeks. Um, so it was, it was a really, really hard decision. And also in the Bay area, like everyone knew me as the mac and cheese girl, you right. know, like everywhere that I go, it's like, Oh, you're that mac and cheese girl. And I'm like, Oh, how am I going to, how am I going to be anything else? You know, like I'm just, I'm the mac and cheese girl. But, um, so it was, it was a really, really hard decision, but, and it, it took a long time. The whole process of selling a business takes a really long time. And, sure. um, you know, I was doubting it for a while, but after it was, after everything was done, I just, I knew for sure that it was absolutely the right decision for me. Like, I'm really, really happy that I stuck with it and, and actually like followed through with what was making me, with changing what was, what was making me unhappy. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to ask next, if you had any regrets about either the decision to leave or even the decision to start Homeroom. I mean, you you have this mantra that I love of what's the worst that could happen. And then you talk about all of these things going on in your personal life, the dissatisfaction with the role that you were playing in Homeroom, yeah. all of these factors. I mean, did you sort of realize maybe that is the worst that could happen in that moment? And did no, that make you, did that change your perspective? No. Um, I I don't regret at all starting homeroom and yeah. everything that I got out of it and the relationships I got out of it and the people that I met. And I just learned so much about business and running a restaurant. And like, I don't regret anything of how, of how it turned out. I mean, I feel like it all, it all sort of fell into place. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't, I know that people say everything happens for a reason, but sometimes it really does. And it's kind of scary when it happens that way. So I think that it, it really worked out the way that it was supposed to for me. Yeah. And if you come out of it as known as the mac and cheese maven, I mean, there are worse things than that for sure, there right? Is. You still make a great killer yeah. mac and cheese, I'm sure. Someone called me a pasta genius today and oh, I really like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so you, you leave homeroom. Yeah. You sell your shares. And then you sort of, it seems based on my understanding of the story, almost immediately sort of pour your energy into this pasta Friday idea. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it happened at the same time. So while I was in the process of selling the business and also while I was dealing, you know, with all my sick family members, I realized that, you know, another thing that was missing in my life was social life because I just, you know, between kids and a business and it was just, I never got to see my friends anymore. So, um, I started just calling people and say, Hey, I'm making a big bowl of pasta and why don't you just come over and eat? And it happened to be on Fridays. Mm -hmm. So after a couple of weeks of that, people started calling me and they're like, how do I get in on pasta Friday? And I was like, Oh, you could just come over. Like I didn't know <laughs> it was a thing. Um, so, and then after a, a couple of weeks of that, I got an email list going and I sent an email list. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to have people come over on Fridays. You have to bring a bottle of wine. I'm going to make pasta. And I'm going to make a salad. And you know, the kids are going to have popsicles and it's going to be great. And I hope you come. And so people started showing up. And then after a few weeks, I had more people on the list and more. And suddenly I was having like 50 people at my house every Friday. Yeah. Um, wow. So Plus then kids, I, right? What was that? Plus kids. Plus right? kids. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had to start setting rules. <laughs> um, so attached to the email were all the things that you can't do at a pasta Friday. <laughs> like what? Um, Can you give us a few? Definitely. So, um, the hours were from six to nine and I was like, you know, you can't linger. Got nine o'clock. I got kids. You got to get out. I respect that. Yeah. yeah. 
don't bring any desserts was a big one because I don't want a mountain of like stale chocolate chip cookies that I'm going to pick out all week or, you know, so if you're going to bring anything, bring popsicles and text me first and let me know because that was the only dessert that we had was popsicles. Okay. Um, everyone had to bring a bottle of wine per adult because the first few weeks of pasta Friday, we like cleared through my wine stash because <laughs> people drink a lot when they eat pasta. So, um, unless you don't drink, but you know, every adult had to bring a bottle of wine. And um, preferably not a cheap rosé. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loved making fun of me because, for that one. But um, so, yeah, I mean, and it helped because then people knew what to expect. They knew, you know, what time I wanted them to leave. They knew approximately what time we were going to eat. So I think people really enjoyed knowing the rules. Oh, and you have to take your shoes off when you come in. So no, like, socks with holes. Mm. <laughs> a great rule a great yeah. rule did you ever banish anyone like are, is there someone who repeatedly brought cheap rosé and you're I, you just know, like you're I off thought the email list it. okay <laughs> <laughs> there there were a couple of people that came close yeah uh-huh. um, no i think the only way that you would get banished from pasta friday is if you would repeatedly say that you were coming and you didn't show up okay that's so fair. yeah then then it's like you gotta like i can't i can't let you come anymore <laughs> so you're doing pasta friday people are dozens of people are coming over every yeah. friday night and you write that you decided to make it official after your grandma passed away it sort of comes yeah. full circle right we talked about the role that your grandma played in in yeah. food for you and influencing mm-hmm. that and that you felt like it was really a wonderful way to honor that tradition yeah. and and to remember her in that way definitely can you talk about other memories that you have that are sort of connected to pasta friday like i know you've talked about a lot of the um, connections that were made in the room right like strangers meeting i yeah. think i've even heard that maybe a romance or two emerged from a pasta friday yeah there was definitely was who knows a what's breakup. in the air tonight right oh a breakup <laughs> yes. oh ooh. yeah and i actually I take like, my joke back uh, <laughs> I sat down with them as they were breaking up and didn't know what was going on. So it was really awkward. Oh, yeah. And then my friend afterwards was like, did you know that I was breaking up with her when you sat down? I was like, <laughs> oh man, no. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, there were so many amazing things that happened at pasta Friday and I've had 52 of these dinners and based mm-hmm. on what we were eating, I like, I could really remember so many conversations and things that happened based on the meal too. Some good things, some not so good things. Like the kids would often like shove popsicles under the rug. That was not such a good thing. <laughs> what a weird thing to do. Oh, I guess I forgot kid, how children behave. But they would wow, also, yeah. <laughs> they would stuff bread down the drains. Oh, sure. So that was not fun. One week, there was a bunch of six-year-old girls who locked themselves in the bathroom. Uh-huh. And they were stuck in there for like 45 minutes. And that, <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> uh, but mostly it's all, mostly it's good memories. You know, one of the coolest things I think was that no one really talked about work at Pasta Friday. And you would come yeah. off of like a really long work week. And everyone was like tired and just happy to be around friends and drinking and eating. And no one really knew what each other did for work, which I thought was really interesting because I have conversations with people outside of Pasta Friday or at different times. They're like, oh, like, what does Holly do for a living? I'm like, you sit next to her every week at Pasta Friday. Okay. How do you not know? I'm like, oh, it never came up. And it's like, well, she's a chef at Chez Panisse. And like, a, you know, someone else was the CEO at a tech company and yeah. someone else is a high school teacher. And it was just interesting that people were known as, as people and for, you know, the conversations they had and their ideas and not just based on like what industry they were in. So I thought that was awesome. I, I was really, it would always make me happy when people didn't know what, you know, the friend, their friends did for a living. 
Yeah, that's great. I love that. We'll be right back with the second part of our conversation with Allison Arevalo from our live show at the Civic Kitchen in San Francisco. Every Tuesday on Salt and Spine, we love sitting down with another one of your and my favorite cookbook authors to tell the stories behind cookbooks. From Jacques Pepin and Nigella Lawson to Samin Nostrat and Allison Roman to today's guest, Allison Arevalo, Salt and Spine is the leading podcast featuring in-person interviews with your favorite authors. Plus, we publish delicious and exclusive recipes, hold cookbook giveaways for listeners like you, host incredible live events like the one you're listening to today, and so much more. Salt and Spine really brings cookbooks to life, and we can only do it thanks to listeners like you. You can join the Salt and Spine community today and support our effort to bring you top-notch interviews and the best cookbook content starting at just $2 a month. Find out more and join the Salt and Spine community at patreon.com backslash salt and spine. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com backslash salt a-n-d spine. Salt and Spine is proud to have storytelling partners like Edible San Francisco. In the upcoming issue, hear from three women, Lenora Estrada of Three Babes Bake Shop, Janelle St. Jean of Pietisserie, and Elizabeth Simon of Revenge Pies on how they're speaking out on behalf of women and minority-owned businesses, building up their operations and paying it forward to their communities. Subscribe now to ensure you don't miss compelling stories on how San Francisco eats at EdibleSanFrancisco.com. And now back to our conversation with Allison Arevalo, live from the Civic Kitchen. Let's talk about the book a little bit. So we're here because you just released the Pasta Friday cookbook. Um, So you're doing these dinners. You've done 52. How did you decide that they should become a book? I decided maybe about two months in and I realized that I was doing, um, I never wanted to repeat a recipe and I never wanted to repeat a pasta shape. So I feel like I kind of had the basis for a book right there. Which like, I didn't realize there were that many pasta shapes to be yeah. honest with you. Like that, that's impressive. <laughs> they, there's way more than that too. Yeah. Right. You know, there's a, there's a pasta shape that's shaped as a bicycle. No. Yeah. I don't have no idea what it's called. Wow. But it's a bicycle. Yeah. Um, that, that one is not in the book, but anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I already had sort of this concept going. And when I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh, this actually would be a really fun book to write. And I was thinking of maybe like a community kind of cookbook. Um, but I had a friend of mine who I worked with at 10 Speed Press and she was in marketing there and she retired from 10 Speed and her and I stayed in touch. We worked together on my first book. So I called Michelle and I was like, you know, I have this idea. I kind of have a basis of a proposal. I would love to meet with you and talk about it. So we had coffee and she's like, this is amazing. You have to do it. And I was like, all right. I'm like, but do I need an agent? I don't know. I don't know anyone. She's like, I'm going to be your agent. I'm going to start up an agency and you're going to be my first client. And she did. And now she has, you know, all of these clients and she's still like a really close friend of mine. And it was just an amazing connection. So, so she really pushed me to, um, to make this book happen. So we're all here at the Civic Kitchen tonight. As if you're just tuning in, which would be kind of weird if you're listening to a podcast. Um, but if you're just tuning in, but we're not on the radio or anything. Um, we are here enjoying a dinner tonight from your book, the Pasta Friday Cookbook. Um, and the the featured dish tonight is the cannellici. I think I'm saying it right, which yeah. is the pasta with your dad's roasted red pepper cream sauce. I'm I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about where this recipe comes from. Mm-hmm. I think from your dad. Yeah. Um, and a little bit also about this pasta because i read that it was actually named after the razor clam i don't know if you know that i I was googling and i think the word for razor clam must be similar to cannellici i didn't know that yeah that's really interesting 
I didn't, I don't remember where I got this, so I don't, I can't <laughs> verify my so source, but true? that's what um, I read. Um, so tell us about this sauce and how, and where it comes from. Yeah. So I, um, grew up eating this sauce. Uh, my dad would make it when we were kids. I wish he would make, he would have made it more often, but we were always so excited when he said he was making the sauce that I would really call all my friends on the street. My dad's making the sauce. You got to come over. And everyone would come over because they'd be so excited for the roasted red pepper sauce. Um, so it's, it's a really simple recipe. It's, uh, roasted red peppers, roasted garlic, uh, cream, butter, some cayenne pepper, a little mirage pepper, and it's just blended together until it gets really creamy. The key with this recipe is not to add too much cream to it. So you kind of just have to eyeball it and just, if it gets too light, then you've added too much and you're really going to lose the brightness of the peppers. So you want to add just enough cream that the sauce holds together and you get the richness, but it doesn't, but it still has a lot of like that big, bold flavor. What do we think? Audience? Are you enjoying it? Yeah. It's delicious. Good. Yeah. And the cannellici pasta, it's from uh, Rusticella de Abruzzo. And the shape is interesting because when you see it in the, in the bag, it looks really small. Like it looks like a short shape. But as soon as you start eating it, it like stretches like a, like with like a curl and hair, you know, like it just kind of like stretches out and it's so much fun to, to eat and it holds all the sauce. And so it's a great pairing for the, for a cream sauce. And we just heard the applause for how delicious the sauce is, but I feel like I know the answer to this, but how do we feel about the crispy prosciutto that's on the side? <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us about that? That to me is like what makes yeah. the, I mean, the sauce on its own is amazing, but that to me is what like made this dish when I made it at home a week ago. Yeah. So at Pasta Friday, I never do appetizers. It's always just the pasta and the salad, but I'll usually do some kind of extra. And the extra is something that will be the pasta will get topped with. So the crispy, spicy prosciutto was always a favorite. And I basically take um, prosciutto and put it in the oven and you cook it until it gets really crispy crumple it up and mix it with uh, fresh chili flakes or not fresh, but dried chili flakes that are really nice and bright and red and olive oil. And you just mix it up and then you just top it on your pasta instead of grated cheese. And you get a really great crunch. You get spice. Um, and it just adds this whole other like meatiness to the, to the dish. And it's, it's so delicious. It's always like the first thing to, to go. People put a lot of it on the pasta. <laughs> it's so delicious. I've been putting it on everything I make yeah. at home lately. I'm, it's so good. I made a turkey sandwich yesterday. Prosciutto right on top. It's really good drizzled on soup too. Oh yeah. That sounds delicious. Yeah. So I read that when you were a kid, you would only eat spaghetti with butter. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel like is fascinating. You've come so far. <laughs> do you today, do you have a, pa- a favorite pasta, either like a pasta dish on, a, on the whole or a favorite pasta shape? I do have a favorite pasta shape. Okay. Uh, my favorite shape right now is bucatini. Oh, mine too. Yes. Yeah, we all I know Bucatini. Like Bucatini's having a moment right now. I yeah. feel like everyone really Actually, loves that's it. the other recipe I made from your book is there's the oh. Bucatini with the corn, right? Yeah. The summer corn yeah, yeah, yeah. and burrata. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so good. I mean, I love it because it's so much fun to eat. You could kind of slurp the sauce through it and it's just, it's, it's fun. I also love thick spaghetti that doesn't have a hole in it. Um, I think in general, I'm a fan of long shapes of pasta. For shorter shapes, I really love a uh, pakari which is sort of like a rigatoni and it's, it's like a bigger rigatoni except thin and it doesn't have ridges. And it's, it's really great because the sauce also gets stuck inside, but it's good with like a slippery sauce. Like if you're rendering fat from like guanciale or pancetta, cause it just kind of is like slicks on it. It's it's really good. Awesome. Why pasta? 
So, I mean, you, you're, you're Italian heritage, of yeah. course, so there's a piece of it. But why pasta when you decided you left homeroom and funneled your energy into this? How did you decide that it would all be around pasta? Mainly, I mean, it is what makes me happy. I uh-huh. mean, I could eat pasta almost every night of the week. And when I think, when I thought of doing pasta Friday and I wanted it to be something comforting and something that you could easily gather people around and something. Yeah. I mean, I, homeroom was similar in that it, the concept was making people happy. You know, like when you think about eating mac and cheese and you just can't help but smile because you have all these memories of a great time in life. And for me, I didn't grow up eating mac and cheese. I grew up eating pasta with butter and, uh-huh. and Parmesan cheese. Like that was my version of mac and cheese growing up. So I just have this connection to just like the positive feelings that pasta gives you. And I, and I grew up eating it and cooking it and it just seemed like the natural thing for me. Sure. Next thing for me to do. And you've talked about this a lot tonight and in your book, um, but the Pasta Friday isn't really about the food or about entertaining. It's about community and building community yeah. and bringing people together. And we talk on the podcast periodically about sort of this cliche of, right, like food can bring people together and food builds bridges and like all of this. And I feel like that's really what you're getting at with Pasta Friday. And so I'm, I'm curious if you think that's really true. Can, can food really bring people together? And have you seen that happen with Pasta Friday? I have absolutely seen that happen with Pasta Friday. I mean, I, one of my friends told me that I have given him the big Italian family that he's always wanted. Um, yeah, I mean, cause that people really did come together around food. I think the problem now is with social media is everyone is expecting that like they're, or thinking that their table has to look look like a Pinterest board. You know, you have to have fancy yeah. napkin rings and all this fancy plates and, you know, and it takes the fun out of it because it's so stressful. You know, your house has to be immaculate and, and you have to have the right glasses. And so I think when people think of entertaining, they think of all of these things that our grandparents never had to think of. I mean, my grandmother had, you know, plastic on the couches. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> she, ne- she never thought about, you know, what her table would look like on social media. And we really, <laughs> right. We, t- we took away all of that. I mean, we eat on compostable plates. I served the salad in like big, big, like aluminum trays to make things clean up easier. I mean, there's things that you can do. I mean, all the dirty laundry is under the, the beds or, you know, <laughs> And it doesn't have to be entertaining. It really is just gathering with people. So I think if you kind of can can have the mind shift of or the change your mind about entertaining and thinking of it more of like gathering with your family or just having people over, it makes a big difference because then you just you don't have that stress and you don't have to have everything ready when people get there either. And people love to help. So people will come over and cut the baguettes or they'll be chopping onions. And some weeks I'm more prepared than others. Some weeks we'll eat at eight o'clock instead of at seven o'clock because I got home late. I didn't have a time. I didn't have time to prepare. And then, and everyone helps and they love that. And I'm not freaked out about it because I know I'm like, ah, when people get here, they'll just help me. So yeah, I hope that more people start picking it up and doing it. And I have a friend in Oakland who started picking up the transition, picking up the tradition and he took my pasta Friday list and now does it at his house, which is awesome. That's great. Yeah. Let's talk. We're showing cookbooks. So let's transition to talking about cookbooks. Um, did you grow up with cookbooks? We've talked about your grandma frying meatballs on the Mm -hmm. stove and stuff. And I'm, I guess I'm guessing she wasn't relying on cookbooks. No, I did not grow up with cookbooks. You did not grow up with cookbooks. When do you remember when you first sort of like started getting cookbooks or using them or any that were really important to you or, early on in your life or career? Uh, I can't remember. I feel like early on when I started um, experimenting with food other than Italian food, it was when, you know, like the internet was around and then uh-huh. I could start like Googling recipes. Um, but I think it wasn't until college 
that I became interested in cookbooks and reading cookbooks and finding all of these other chefs that I was admiring. And, um, yeah. And I think that it's, especially when I was in the Bay area. So once I moved here like 11 years ago, then I really started amping up my cookbook collection. Sure. It was also because then I was getting older, I had more money to spend on cookbooks. So yeah. it was easier to, you know, start getting a collection. But, uh, but yeah, I would say it was probably later, later on. Yeah. Are there authors or particular works that have been really important or influential to you? I pulled down a couple mm-hmm. in front of us that we talked about earlier that I know. Yeah, like I always loved Alice Waters. Uh-huh. I mean, I think even before I moved to the Bay Area, I was like, she was probably one of the first, one of the first cookbooks that I started reading. And I remember based on like her stories, when we first moved here, I was never in Berkeley before. I, I was in San Francisco for like a college trip once. Okay. But, um, so when we moved out here, I had this vision of what Berkeley was like, and I thought it was somewhat like Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought we were going to move here and it was all like, you know, organic food everywhere and palm trees and, and the beach. And it was nothing like <laughs> that. Um, I mean, not that I was disappointed, but I just had this, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. So, um, but Alice Waters was definitely one, um, one person who I just, I just loved her, how simple her recipes were. I love that I could memorize them and just th- easily throw, throw things together. So she was a, a big influence on my cooking. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, before we turn to our game, we haven't talked much about the mac and cheese cookbook, uh-huh. but really fast. What's the secret to amazing mac and cheese? If you want to make bechamel. it at home, the bechamel. Yeah, definitely the bechamel. the bechamel. I mean, the bechamel is the most time consuming. Sure. And, um, it's, it's not difficult, but it does take a little bit of practice to, to make, get it perfect. And, but once you master the bechamel, it's, it's really, really hard to do a good mac and cheese without that sauce. What kind of cheese? I mean, it's, you, there's so many different kinds of cheese that you can do, but also you have to have a good melting cheese and a good flavor cheese. Okay. So you can't just do a mac and cheese with like blue cheese. Cause that would be totally gross. Um, <laughs> but, but if you do a mac and cheese that has jack cheese and blue cheese and walnuts in it, then suddenly you're getting a little bit of the blue cheese flavor and all the like the meltiness from the jack cheese. And that's delicious. Yeah. So you just have to be careful about um, what flavors and what um, like meltability, I guess you're, you're getting with your cheeses. Okay. Next time you're here, we're doing mac and cheese dinner. Yes. Same format. We'll all gather around. <laughs> Blue cheese, mac and cheese. I don't know. Um, all right. So we always end with little games. So right. we have our secret ingredient cards here. Um, there's four decks in front of you. Blue is the secret ingredients. So those are, I say, more obscure. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're things like gummy bears. You don't know what you're going to get in that de- in that stack. Um, then you have sort of your more traditional staples, your proteins, your vegetables, and your flavors. So today we're going to play a can you pasta game. So we're going to do right. a couple rounds. Um, and I did not tell Allison what the game... I never tell my guests what the game is before. So <laughs> this is a surprise to you, the format of the game. But we're going to play Can You Pasta It? We'll do a couple rounds. So how it'll work is you can draw any mixture, any number of cards that you want. Right. And that's what you have to work with. So it's sort of like a version of Chopped, right? You're opening up your basket. You're finding out what ingredients you have to incorporate. The pasta's all up to you. Okay. So I'm not going to constrict you with saying it has to be a bucatini dish you're gonna look at it tell us what pasta shape you'd use and what dish you would make oh man Um, all right how do you feel what's the worst that could happen exactly (laughs) (laughs) all right great so pick your cards let's do the first round 
Oh, wow. So I have to do one pasta with all of them? That's right. Oh, this is, yeah. Right. This is round one. So you've got four ingredients. They all have to come into the pasta. Tell oh, us man. what they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Almost easy. So, um, red pepper flakes. Okay. Oh, you love those, right? Uh, yes, I do. Spinach. Uh huh. Goat. Oh. Okay. For, I looked at it quickly. I thought it was goat cheese. No, it's goat, goat meat. All right. And Szechuan peppercorns. All right. Oh, okay. I have a feeling where this could go. Um, <laughs> what pasta dish should we make with Szechuan peppercorns, red chili flakes, goat, and spinach? Wow. Okay. Well, so um, I was actually at a Mamafuku restaurant in New York City recently, and they had a curry on the dish with spinach and burrata. Oh, and you would okay. never think that burrata would go with like a curry dish, right. but it was one of the most amazing things that I've had in a long time. It was so good. Wow. So I'm like, all right, I'm not scared of this. All right. So I'm thinking that we'll do a short pasta shape because okay. this will have lots of um, sort of chunky ingredients in it. So maybe we would do, um, all right. I think a fun shape, which is one that I was actually working with earlier today is Fusilli Gigante. So it's a really big fusilli oh, yeah. and it's very twisty. And the great thing about it is like all the ingredients just get kind of stuck in all the turns. And okay. Yeah. So it's, and it's, it's hearty. So I think, and you would, I would saute this, the goats. Oh man. Is this like a ground goat that we're using? I would like to do ground okay. goat. I don't know mm-hmm. if I've ever had ground goat, <laughs> but uh yeah, let's ground up some goat. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, never mind. We're going to braise the goat. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, we're going to braise the goat and we're going to cook it for a really long time and it's going to all fall off the bone oh, and it's going to yeah. be totally delicious. And then after that's all cooked, we're going to take all the juices from that and we're going to saute a little garlic and spinach and the peppercorn, the Szechuan peppercorns, because that's actually going to be quite delicious. And yeah. it's going to be a super spicy pasta dish and the red pepper the red pepper flakes can just go right on top but i think when you eat it all of the the meaty the all the meatiness and the spinach leaves will all get turned up into the pasta that sounds great that I sounds wanna, delicious yeah. what do we think yeah <laughs> awesome all right so we do another round yes okay Man, I thought that was gonna be so that was one of each one. deck um you can do that again. You can mix and match. Let's do one from each step. All right. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Me too. All right. So oh, secret man. ingredient is... <laughs> Molasses. Molasses. All right. Nuts. Okay. Okay. Asparagus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paprika. Oh. All right. All right. Interesting. What to do with the molasses? Yeah. I think let's do a long pasta for this. Okay. Um, just to change it up. I think, I think a fettuccine would be really good with this and it would be a creamy sauce. Okay. Kind of like maybe an Alfredo, but with a little more cheese and, and, and like, uh, cheesiness to it. So it doesn't just taste like a cream sauce. Sure. And we will, um, toast up the nuts. So they're really, really nice and toasty and chop them up really small. The asparagus, we could just blanch them. So they're bright and green and mixed with the creaminess of the, did I say which long shape of pasta? I did. Yeah, you did. You said long shape, but not which, yeah. which Let's kind. Do, well, oh, no, you said fettuccine. Yeah. Fettuccine. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then even if we kind of mix the molasses with the paprika, maybe, and get like a spiciness going on and it could just be drizzled, on top. Okay. So then you get like the crunchiness from the nuts and a nice bright, barely cooked asparagus and creaminess and just like, you know, a sort of sweet and spicy 
drizzle. Drizzle, yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Sounds delicious, yeah? What do you think? Yeah? <laughs> All right, last round. All Should right. we do it? What do we have? All right, I guess we'll do one of each again. I'm scared yeah, of these secret I like this. I know. Oh, man, kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, though. It's different than molasses, for All sure. Right. All right, so we've got kimchi. <laughs> Ham. Ham. Cool. You're killing me here. <laughs> Sweet potatoes. All right. And cinnamon. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I knew we'd get an exciting one. All right. Third round. Pressure's oh, on. Okay. You've opened up your chopped basket and you've got a slice of ham, um, yeah. a big slice of ham, a b- jar of kimchi, a couple sweet potatoes, and some cinnamon sticks or ground cinnamon. Yeah. All right. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is roast up those sweet potatoes and sprinkle on the cinnamon on them. So it'll be roasted sweet potatoes in like small little, like dice it up yeah. and roast it. Okay. Um, all right. So I got that. I got that set. Let me think of what kind of shape we're going to do with that. Um, maybe, let me think of a fun shape. Oh, or, okay. I have a better idea. We are going to make sweet potato gnocchi. That's what we're going to oh, do. Oh, there you go. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that, yeah, so we're going to make sweet potato gnocchi and we're going to have a little bit of cinnamon mixed in with the sweet potato and the dough. And that's sure. going to be delicious. Yes. And for the ham, oh man, I'm not really a big fan of ham, but what I think we could do is dice up the ham and saute it. And with all, with any of the, if there, any of the fat comes off of it, I think that might be interesting. But man, the kimchi, um, Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I guess we're gonna have to mix up the kimchi and the ham. I think we're we're not gonna have a choice there. I think I'm feeling like this is close to the spicy, crispy prosciutto. We've got pork and we've got spice. Yeah, and I think I think we're gonna have to make the kimchi a little spicy too to go with like the salt, the sweet and spicy of Uh the cinnamon. I don't know. It could either be really good or really bad. (laughs) I don't know. I, I I I. Jury's out on that one. I don't know. I have but, faith as the Pasta Friday author and the mac and cheese maven. Yeah. I feel like I trust but you. But I do think we would need some fat in there other than the ham, like either some like browned butter mixed with it or even just like a maybe a little bit of cream. Um, because somehow like I've actually had kimchi mixed with like a cream sauce with sliced steak and it was delicious. Oh, wow, it was yeah. really, really good. I was actually also at Mama Fuko. So I think having a little bit of that fat mixed in there would be really good. Um, so yeah, could try that. That sounds really good. Yeah. I love it. Sounds delicious, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this was so much fun, Allison. Yeah. I'm so glad you could join us on Salt and Spine. Thank this you so much awesome. for being here. Thank you to all of you for being here. Incredible audience. Let's give it up for Allison. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and for those who joined us in San Francisco for this live event with Allison Arevalo. As always, you can find bonus content from today's show and all episodes on saltandspine.com. There you'll find recipes from Allison Arevalo's The Pasta Friday Cookbook for cauliflower with kale and rotini and an avocado and bacon salad. Remember, if you like hearing from your favorite authors on Salt and Spine, and I hope you do, please click subscribe wherever you're listening. And of course, you can join the salt and spine community and support our show at patreon.com backslash salt and spine 
Our show today was produced by me, Brian Hogan-Stewart, and recorded at the Civic Kitchen in San Francisco. The Salt and Spine original theme song was created by Brunch for Lunch. Thanks, as always, to Jen Nurse, Chris Bonimo, and the Civic Kitchen team, to Edible San Francisco, and to Celia Sack at Omnivore Books. We'll be back next week with more stories behind the cookbooks you love. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, happy listener. I'm Yardley. And I'm Dan. And I'm Dave. And we are the hosts of the true crime podcast, Small Town Dicks. On our podcast, detectives from small towns all around the world give us their firsthand accounts of the memorable crimes they investigated in their small town. The new season of Small Town Dicks is out now. But if you're new to the podcast and you want to start at the beginning, we have over 125 episodes for you to binge. So please join us for an original take on true crime. Small Town Dicks. Available wherever you like to listen. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>